Welcome to the Foundations Church Podcast, where we exist to make Jesus famous. We hope this message is life-giving, encouraging, and challenges you in your walk with Christ. For the past couple of weeks, we've been looking at some stories from the Old Testament, and we're going to continue that this evening. Uh, we're going to be looking at a story from Daniel chapter 3, if you like to take notes. We've got some note cards back there on the table as you, uh, you came in. We also have the notes on the screen behind me, which my giant head is probably blocking a good chunk of that. So we also have it on our FC app as well, if you want to follow along that way. But we're going to read, uh, kind of break it up into a few sections, so we're not um, just reading one giant chunk at a time, but we're going to read the first seven verses in Daniel chapter 3, and it says this. It says, King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold whose height was 60 cubits and its breadth was six cubits. He set it up on the plain of Dur in the province of Babylon. Then King Nebuchadnezzar sent together the satraps, the prefects, the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the justices, the magistrates, and all the officials of the provinces to come to the dedication of the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Then the satraps, the prefects, the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the justices, the magistrates, and all the officials of the provinces gathered for the dedication of the image of King Nebuchadnezzar, that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And they stood before that image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up, and the herald proclaimed aloud, You are commanded, O peoples, nations, and languages, that when you hear the sound of the horn, the pipe, the lyre, trigon, the harp, the bagpipe, and every kind of music, you are to fall down and worship the golden image that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall immediately be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. Therefore, as soon as all the peoples heard the sounds of the horn, the pipe, the lyre, the trigon, the harp, the bagpipe, and every kind of music, all the peoples, nations, and languages fell down and worshiped the golden image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. So we're looking at this story from the book of Daniel and just so we're on the same page, this is happening during the Babylonian exile. Now, um, what led up to this is you have the Israelites who are notorious for turning away from God, quickly forgetting what he had done. Um, a lot of times we see in the Old Testament where they would conquer a nation and God was like, wipe everything out. And as a kid, I'm reading that. I'm like, why? That's so mean and cruel. Like, why would that happen? But God understood that there was even like a remnant of this culture that the Israelites were to keep alive, that it would infiltrate um, their camp and their culture. And they, you would see this time and time again where their worship of God begins to be polluted with these other gods because they didn't obey God, because they allowed these, you know, these little things started to creep in and pollute the way that God had commanded them to worship. And, and so they were unfaithful. And so what happens? Even when we are unfaithful, what is God? He's faithful. Um, and in this case, God is faithful to his word, and they end up in uh, exile. What do I mean by that? Well, when he is giving the law to the people, we look all the way back in Leviticus, in Leviticus 26, um, he, there's a section in that, in that chapter where God is telling them what's going to happen if they remain unfaithful to him. And so we get to Leviticus 26. I'm going to read verse 27 and 33 because verse 27 introduces a whole list of things, and this verse 33 is applicable to what we're talking about right now. And so God is giving them the law. He tells them what's going to happen if they are unfaithful, and he says this, verse 27, Leviticus 26. He says, but, in, but if in spite of this you will not listen to me, but walk contrary to me, 
then I will walk contrary to you in fury, and I myself will discipline, discipline you sevenfold for your sins. Then we, he lists a bunch of things, and we get to verse 33, and he says, and I will scatter you among the nations, and I will unsheath the sword after you, and your land shall be a desolation, and your cities uh, shall be a waste. So God had warned them when he was giving them the law that if they did not listen, this would be um, the consequence. And this doesn't happen overnight. Um, that this is decades, hundreds of years of God being patient with his people, being patient with them in the wilderness, being patient with them uh, through their, this downward cycle in the book of Judges, being patient with them as they are asking for a king to rule over them instead of them just trusting God. Hey, we want a king because other nations have a king. And, and so you see this, this kind of trend of the Israelites, you know, failing to live up and God continuing to be patient, continuing to be patient, and eventually he gives them the king. And you see the peak of the kingdom of Israel happen really early in the line of the kings because you have King Saul and quickly after you have King David and his son, King Solomon. And David and Solomon is like the peak of Israel because you've got David expand the nation of Israel and then you've got Solomon come in and expand it even further and build the temple. But towards the end of Solomon's life, he starts to let um, these other nations infiltrate him. He has 700 wives that he's married to try to make these different deals, and you don't think he's going to be influenced by these 700 wives. And so um, you see the nation start to drift away, and after Solomon's death, the nation splits in two, the northern kingdom of Israel and the southern kingdom of Judah. Um, and, And even throughout all of that, you have a couple hundred years, a few hundred years of this continual downward spiral. And you have these bright spots of these kings who try to bring back the nation of Israel um, to where they need to be um, in their relationship with God. And God prospers them and God blesses the king. And the king lives a long time and rules you know, for 40, 50, 60 years. But then they eventually go back down. And it gets to the point where in, I think it's 721 BC, you have the Assyrians attack and invade the northern uh, kingdom. And then here, where we are in Daniel chapter 3, you've got the Babylonians invade and attack the southern kingdom uh, in 605 BC. There's a lot of history there that we skipped over, but we don't have uh, a ton of time. But this is what has led us to Daniel chapter 3, God being faithful to his word of saying, hey, if you don't follow, if you don't listen, um, I'm going to scatter you. Uh, I'm going to have a, a nation come in, unsheath the sword and lay your cities to waste. And this is where they are. And we remember that even through all of this, that God is sovereign, that he is in control. And if you read in the beginning of Daniel uh, chapter 1, it says, In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand, that the Lord is the one who handed over Jerusalem or handed over Judah to the Babylonians, um, that God is still in control through all of this. So the Babylonians have come and invaded, and then you have the exile where the Babylonians take the best and the brightest of the Israelites, um, and they ship them off to be indoctrinated, ship them off uh, to be assimilated into this foreign country. And so this is the context of Daniel. This is where we are in Daniel chapter 3, um, that Nebuchadnezzar has invaded, taken over, and he's gathered together all of these cultures, all of these uh, nations that he has conquered. He's gathered the leaders of these nations together, and he set up this massive idol. And what he's wanting to do is he's wanting these people to know that 
uh, they want, he, want people, he wants people to know about his greatness, his glory. Hey, look who's in charge now, all right? Just establishing this rule. Um, and, and a lot of times what, he, or what he's trying to do, I think, is he's trying to um, unify these people in worship of a common idol. That there is this, you've got all these different languages, all these different nations coming together, different religions. And he's saying, Mm-mm, you're, you're in Babylon now, right? You're one of us, and we're going to be unified under me. We're going to be unified under this idol, this massive 90-foot-tall statue, which it, it may have been on a pedestal, because if you think 90 feet tall and then like nine feet wide, like this 10 to 1 ratio is really awkward. So it was probably up on this really high pedestal. Um, and, and, but anyway, it was up 90 feet in the air, and he's, it's golden, and it's shining. People see it from all over. And he's saying, there's no freedom of religion here. Right? You don't get to keep your old religion, your old way of doing things, that you are going to worship this or you're going to die. Right? And the, the verse we just read said you will immediately be thrown into the fiery furnace. And so before we get to this next section, um, this is really a, a great picture um, exposing the heart of man. And what I mean by that is every person is going to worship something. Um, that if you want to phrase it, we're all religious in the sense that we are going to bow before something. Um, it's either at the feet of God or it's something that we put in his place. Uh, Paul tells us in Romans chapter one, he says, for although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools, exchanged the glory of an immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things that they saw God. And they're like, no, this is what we're going to worship a God of their own making. Um, the Old Testament shows us how quickly this plays out with God's chosen people, right? As they are in the wilderness, as God is giving Moses the law, they, they had just seen God deliver them from the Egyptians in this mighty, powerful way. They had seen him part the Red Seas and do all this thing, and then they quickly lose sight of the one true God and want to replace him with something else. Happens in Exodus chapter 32. We're going to read a couple of verses, verse 1. And then verse 8 says, when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mountain, the people gathered themselves together to Aaron and said to him, up, make us, uh, make us gods who shall go before us. As for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. And this is God talking, talking to Moses. He says, they have turned aside quickly out of the way that I commanded them. They have made for themselves a golden calf and have worshiped it and sacrificed to it and said, these are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. They're like, Hey, Aaron, this, this, this guy, Marty, Matt, Mike, Mo, Moses, Moses, yeah, yeah, that guy, yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't know where he's at, so make us, make us another God, right? We're, this isn't working for us. Um, and I think one of the reasons why this is, we look at Romans where they've seen the glory of the immortal God, but they exchanged it for something else, is that it's easier for us to worship a God of our own making than it is to face the fact that it is a holy and righteous God and we see our sin and ugliness in the sight of that. And so what's easier than facing that? Saying, you know what, I'm going to make something of my own. Something that's a little bit more resemblance of what I'm familiar with. It says they made an image of, of man, of, of animals, of birds. Okay, I can, I can see that. I can relate to that. I can put that on my level. But when we're worshiping at the feet of a holy God, there comes with that a recognition of what we are not. And so, so it, it, this is what Nebuchadnezzar is doing is just um, exemplifying what's in the hearts of all of us, is that you're either going to worship at the feet of God or 
you're going to establish something else in his place. And so we get to this next section in Daniel chapter 3, verses 8 through 12, where it says this. It says, Therefore, at the time, uh, certain Chaldeans came forward and maliciously accused the Jews. They declared to King Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. You, O king, have made a decree that every man who hears the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music, and they want to make sure we don't forget what kind of instruments are there, um, shall fall down and worship the golden image. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. There are certain Jews whom you have appointed over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, pay no attention to you. They do not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. Now, here we go. We are introduced um, to these guys that we are probably familiar with, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You guys familiar with them? You heard of them before? Yeah. Um, Someone snitches on them. Um, what I think happens is someone's probably jealous of the rank that these foreigners have in the province of Babylon. The reason I say that is you get a similar situation happening in Daniel chapter 6, where Daniel is, is promoted to this position of authority, and people, these guys are like, we got we to gotta find a way to bring him down. And so they, they, the only fault they can find in Daniel is his commitment and devotion to his God. And so I would think a similar thing is probably happening where you have this jealousy that creeps in. Um, but either way, uh, these, these young men are not uh, giving in to the demands uh, of the king. And I said earlier that the goal of the Babylonians was to assimilate them into their culture, right? To, to um, strip them of their former religion, strip them of everything they knew. They sent them to uh, education camps where they were going to be educated in the Babylonian way. And they're saying, you are Babylonians now, right? You follow our ways, no more of this Yahweh stuff, this Yahweh business, um, we've got our gods and you're going to acquiesce or you're going to die. Now, we've talked a lot about names in the Old Testament um, in, in the past few weeks. And it's important that we do it here because Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are, are the names that a lot of us are probably familiar with. Um, but those aren't their birth names. Um, who knows what their birth names are? <laughs> Go have it up on the screen. Who knows what that middle birth name is? The one that's blacked out, that's redacted. <laughs> Mishael, yeah. So we've got... Uh, it's on the screen, but let me walk you through what the Babylonians are doing here. So Hananiah is, uh, is the birth name, and it means Yahweh is gracious, right? Remember, there's this connection that these names had significance. Um, the Babylonians come, and they change his name, um, trying to change his identity, change who he thinks about uh, his God, who he thinks about, or what he thinks about himself. And they change his name to Shadrach, which is command of Aku. Aku is the moon god of the Babylonians. So no longer is Yahweh gracious, no, 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 you are now Shadrach. No, 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 you are under the command of Aku. See what they're doing here? They're trying to strip that away. Mishael uh, means who is what God is. This is my name, Michael. Who is what God is, right? It's this rhetorical question. Who is what God is? No one, right? That God is up here. No one is what God is. They change his name to Meshach, which is who is what Aku is. So they change it again to same, very, very similar name, but instead of God, it is this moon God, this Babylonian God that they're changing it to. So you hold up God, you hold up Yahweh up here. Okay, well now it's, it's Aku. It's no longer your God, you're Babylonian. And they change um, Azariah to Yahweh is my helper to Abednego, uh, which is servant of Nego, which is a God of vegetation. So again, they're bringing in their culture, trying to change their name. So no longer is Yahweh my helper, now I'm a helper to this other foreign God. So they're, again, they're, they're stripping them of their identity, um, stripping them of 
what they've believed about themselves, who they've been told, because they went into exile when they were teenagers. So they had years of, of understanding that Yahweh's gracious, Yahweh is my helper, that who is what God is. And then you have this foreign nation come and invade and say, oh, I guess your God's not so powerful now, is he? These are your new names. And they're trying to reprogram them to get them to worship something other um, than the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and they're not giving in. They're holding fast. They're, they're staying strong, that despite these years of education, these attempts of the Babylonians to reprogram them, um, they are still holding fast to the first two commandments that God gave in the Ten Commandments. Anyone know what those first two commandments are? No other gods before me. That's the first one. What's the second one? No idols. Exactly. Yep. Exodus 20, verses 3 through 6. You shall have no other gods before me. Number one. Number two, you shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation to those who hate me. You get that? God's saying, hey, if you bow down, it's not just, eh, no, 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 you hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. They're not budging. They're not bowing down to this golden image because it is idolatry. That's number two. We're not breaking that one. What's the first one? No other gods. Well, no, I'm not worshiping that God. That is not my God. I'm not doing it. Um, uh, idolatry doesn't just consist of bowing down. I'm going to read off a list that's, um, that we could spend a lot of time through. Um, but here, here's what idolatry consists of. Bowing down to other images, worshiping images, sacrificing to images, worshiping other gods, swearing by other gods, walking after other gods, speaking in the name of other gods, looking to other gods, serving other gods, fearing other gods, sacrificing other gods, worshiping the true God by an image, worshiping angels, worshiping the hosts of heaven, worshiping devils, worshiping dead men, setting up idols in the heart, covetousness or sensuality. All of these things are idolatry. And if we remember that God is immutable, his character doesn't change, right? That he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So all those things are idolatry. So let's look at how God views idolatry, all right? So Deuteronomy 7, 25. The carved images of their gods you shall burn with fire. You shall not covet the silver or the gold that is on them, or take it for yourself, lest you be ensnared by it, for it is an abomination to the Lord your God. Idolatry is an abomination. Deuteronomy 16, 22. You shall not set up a pillar, which is this idol they were worshiping, um, which the Lord your God hates. Uh, Judges 10, 14. This is God being a little sarcastic here. He says, go and cry to the gods whom you have chosen. Let them save you in the time of your distress. What is he saying? It's useless. Good luck with that. Go try that on. See how that works out for you. Ezekiel 20, verse 7. And I said to them, cast away the detestable things your eyes feast on, every one of you, and do not defile yourselves with the idols of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. It's detestable. It's defiling. Um, we read Psalm 115. It tells us that it's pointless, um, that they made idols um, with hands, but couldn't do anything. They made idols with eyes, but couldn't see. They made idols with feet, but they couldn't walk. That it's, it's useless. It's pointless. Um, and and so, so we see this picture of what idolatry is and how God views it. Um, and if he views it you know, as evil, detestable, defiling, an abomination in the Old Testament... Still, how he views idolatry today. Um, now, 
It's been a while since I've seen uh, an, a carved image or a golden statue. Um, I'm not super well-traveled outside of the United States. I've been to Mexico a couple times, and, and, but it's on vacation. Um, I walked across the bridge from New York to Canada, um, and that's about the extent of my foreign nation travels. Um, so I'm sure they're out there, but I, I'm just not really familiar. But in the United States, who in their right mind would, uh, would pray to a little statue? Right? Who would who would bow down before a little golden image? Right? We don't we don't have those anymore. Right? So why are we why are we even talking about idolatry? We're living in in 2023. We're not we're past that. That is that is barbaric stuff. Right? That's stuff for these people who didn't have any TV or phone or anything better to do with their lives. Right? Yeah. Let's, let's go see the statue and worship it. Cool. I got nothing else to do. We don't have to deal with idolatry anymore. Um, I've been reading out the ESV this year, and um. And I try to stick in this, you know, and occasionally I'll go, I'll go to a couple of translations just for some clarity. But John, or 1 John 5.21 says this. It says, little children, keep yourselves from idols. Okay, check. I don't have any little statues I'm praying to at my house. Done. Now, I'm not a huge fan of bouncing back and forth between different translations in a, in a sermon or a study. Um, just, just preference. Um, but I want us to look at that same verse in the New Living Translations, lest we think that idolatry is just contained to worshiping an image. Same verse, different translation, 1 John 5, 21, New Living Translation. Dear children, keep away from anything that might take God's place in your hearts. So as we're reading this, um, we need to understand that idolatry is, is not just me bowing down to a little idol, but it's replacing God with something else. That, that it's it's... In the advanced world that we live in, we can still be an idolatrous people. Um, an idol is anything that we put before God. It could be your job. Um, it could be your car. It could be your kids. It could be your spouse. It could be money. It could be this pursuit of power, this, this pursuit of, of wealth. Um, and when we set up idols in our lives, we are placing our hope and our trust in them instead of God. And if I were taking bets, I'd probably push all of my chips in and say that most of us in here do that and don't even realize it. Right? That, that when push comes to shove, when, when rubber meets the road, um, that, that we would say, you know what, I trust in God, but I trust in God because my bank account allows me to trust in God. Um, I, I trust in God because, you know, my job is secure. I trust in God because fill in the blank. And if we have to add a because after that, then we might want to check ourselves on where we are. Um, none of those things are bad, right? Having a job, having a family, none of that's bad. But replacing that, like, like John said in the New Living Translation, that we keep away from anything that might take God's place in your heart. Now, we see a couple of examples in this in the Old Testament. We see um, Abraham, <coughs> who, who God promised a son. And, and there is this this instance that happens in Abraham's life where God is, is forcing him to take this idol out of, out of where God should be in his life. And it's this moment where God tells him to sacrifice his son. Um, and I can't imagine that walk up the mountain, right? I can't, I can't imagine it. Like, all right, all right, right? That Abraham is, is walking it and like, oh, I'm going to sacrifice my son. But after that moment, and when God provides the sacrifice, do you think Abraham may have had a different view of his son moving forward? Right? I, I'm not going to read into the Bible what's not there, but I don't see God asking him to sacrifice him a second time. 
We look at Hannah, who's praying for a child. She has a, a child named Samuel. And what does she do? Anyone know? Does she keep him for himself? For herself? She has a child. She's been praying for the child. She dedicates him to the Lord. Right? So you see these things, they're not bad, but where are they in our heart? And so that's what we're looking at here, is that we all have this propensity to place things in our hearts where God should be, and a lot of us don't even realize it. And so God just root that out, open up our eyes to see, check us, so that nothing takes your place in our heart. We move on to verse 13 through 18, and I think this is about where, where we'll get for the evening. It says, Then Nebuchadnezzar, in a furious rage, commanded that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought. So they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar answered and said to them, Is, is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the golden image that I have set up? Now, if you are ready, when you hear the sound of the horn, the pipe, the lyre, the trigon, the harp, the bagpipe, and every kind of music to fall down and worship the image I have made, well and good. But if you do not worship, you shall immediately be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. And who is the God that will deliver you out of my hands? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. Man, what a jaw-dropping response to the king. Now, you have to understand at the time, this king has set himself up almost as like a god king, that he is, I am walking deity. And you have these three foreigners standing before this man who has the power to let them live or the power to throw them in this furnace. And what do they say? They say, King, we don't have to give you a response in this. Right? The God who we serve will deliver us. The God who we serve, to answer your question, will deliver us from your hand. That's, that's, that's the God who will. Um, we, we see that their allegiance was never to this king that they were serving, right? that they were being stewards of what they put in charge, but their ultimate allegiance was never to King Nebuchadnezzar. It was to their heavenly father. And you hear the faith that they have in this response. Um, and they say, they say these things, but then they say, even if he doesn't, even if he doesn't deliver us from your hand, we will never serve or worship anything other than our God. Man, we get nervous to tell somebody they got something in their teeth, yeah. right? Yeah. Right? You're like, oh, I don't want to make them feel uncomfortable. And these guys are standing on the edge of this furnace. Well, about to be standing on the edge of this furnace. And what's their response? Sorry, King, not going to happen. Not going to happen. Right? What conviction, what, what a disregard for their own well-being for the sake of honoring and worshiping and giving glory to God. Um, and, and we have that same call today, right? That everyone else is bowing down. Everyone else is bowing down, and you have the story of these three men that are standing up, and we as followers of Christ are called to be different. We're called to stand up. Romans 12, 2 says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God what is good, acceptable, and perfect. And we must not be conformed to this world. We can't bow down to whatever culture tells us is correct. 
We can't compromise what the Word of God says. Unless we forfeit our calling, that we are, are faithful to endure, that I'm not going to compromise on this. Are we willing, if our job was on the line, to say, I'm not going to compromise in this? Are we willing to do that? No matter what happens, I'm not going to cave. I know God can deliver me. I know God has the power to. But even if he doesn't deliver me in the way that I think he should, because Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Hananiah, uh, Mishael, and Azariah, they didn't know that they were going to be saved. You know what I mean? Like they didn't know that, cool, like it's, I'm a little cold. I guess I gotta warm up a little bit, right? That, they didn't know that was going to be the end. We read the story and we're like, what an awesome miracle. And it was, but in the moment, they had no clue. But they said, no matter what, we're going to hold strong. And how it ends up, man, we, we understand how that ends up, right? We see how they, they're thrown in. They're not burned up. They don't even smell like smoke. And then as the Babylonians are looking at them, walking around, hanging out, what do they say? They say, we see a fourth man in there. Then we throw three. And this fourth one looks like one of the sons of a, of a god. A lot of scholars and theologians believe this is like the pre-incarnate Christ with them in the fire. Talk about looking for, for Jesus in the Old Testament, right? Not hard to, to miss it right there. Um, there's a couple of things that we can take away from this. You know, if we're looking for Christ in the Old Testament, looking for application to us, you know, one is right here. We see it that, that he's in the fire with them. Um, I think we talked about it last week, but Jesus said, you know, I'm, I'm with you to the very end of the age, right? That, that I'm with you. Um, you know, that, that, that if we're faithful, if we endure through these trials, um, that he's with us here in this earth, but ultimately if we endure, if we are faithful to God, um, that we get to see him face to face, that it's not an easy road. Um, everyone else was bowing down, but we're reading about these three guys who decided to take this difficult path. And if I remember correctly, Jesus said something similar to that in Matthew chapter seven. He said, enter by the narrow gate for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. For the gate that is narrow and the way that is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. That staying faithful is really difficult, but then again, we're never promised like an easy path um, or, or a path of least resistance. That we may not think it's a big deal when we talk about holding idols or compromising in our, in our belief system, um, elevating these things above God, but if we see it's a big deal in the Old Testament, God remaining faithful to these three um, exiles, that he remains faithful to us. That if it was a big deal to him in the Old Testament, it's a big deal to him today. I, I, this is kind of interesting, and maybe it's a stretch, but I, but I found it pretty interesting. Um, one of the, I want to read one verse out of the book of Judges. Um, book of Judges is another example of this. The Israelites caving, giving in to these other nations, going down. God would raise up a judge, raise the nation up to prominence, and um, they would thrive, and they'd go. It's like this downward spiral. Um, but in Judges chapter 2, verse 17, it says, Yet they did not listen to their judges, for they whored after other gods and bowed down to them. They soon turned aside from the, the way in which their fathers had walked and who had obeyed the commandments of the Lord, and they did not do so. Um, really interesting the way it phrases it there, um, that I you know, would probably not use the word whore in a sermon, but um, we look here in Judges chapter 2 that the Israelites hoard after uh, other gods, that they um, were adulterous 
um, to God, that idolatry is adultery against a God, against our God, that it's us being unfaithful to our faithful Heavenly Father. Interesting the way that's phrased in Judges chapter 2. That what are they doing? They're, they're making idols. They're worshiping another God. They're breaking the second commandment, the first and second commandment. We've been talking about idolatry, but the way it's phrased here is that they were a, an adulterous people. Um, man, and, and we see Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah who knew that Yahweh was their helper, who knew um, that Yahweh was gracious, who knew that you know, no one is like God. And they held firm to that. Um, and they didn't give in, and the Lord promises to deliver us. And that deliverance may not come um, until his return. It may not come until we see him face to face. But guess what? We serve him, not because of the benefits of what we get here on earth, but we serve him for what he promises in eternity. Right? So we trust him. We trust him to deliver us, but that deliverance is going to come however he best sees fit. Let's pray. Father, we come before you this evening. God, thanking you for your word. God, thanking you for the truths that are spoken to us through your word. God, the fact that we can see you all throughout the pages of the Old Testament. We can see Christ in the Old Testament. Um, God, I pray that you would continue to work in us. God, open up our eyes to uh, see what you would have for us as we are reading um, the scripture. God, be with us as we go from here. Um, Bless us and keep us safe. Uh, We love you. It's in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. We hope that you enjoyed this message. If you have any questions or want to reach out to us, you can email us at info at foundationschurch.tv or visit our website at foundationschurch.tv.